You're listening to Megiddo Radio. Megiddo Radio is a radio ministry of Megiddo Media. For more, visit our website at megiddoradio.com. That's megiddoradio.com. Good evening and welcome, everybody. This is Paul Finn with Wicked Radio, a second attempt to do this live. Um, if you're watching the stream, I don't know if something else popped up. Um, I am trying something different. Well, it's actually the newer software on YouTube, and I'm not used to it, and they're going to change it over from the classic version, and they're going to end it in a few weeks. So I said I better get used to this. Um, if somebody could let me know in the chat if, you, if you're actually... If you're actually getting this, and if I'm just talking to myself here, well, good evening, welcome everybody. Um, appreciate that, my lovely wife. Let me know. Um, <laughs> I was like, what is going wrong? And um, yeah, I might have to do a little bit of tweaking with that. I don't know what exactly went on there. I think you have to click an extra button, which I don't really like. But um, yeah. So, welcome everybody. Um, and it's the 6th of April, as I said, and the news is, is really, really sad news at the moment with Boris Johnson, the Prime Minister of the United Kingdom, of course, our Prime Minister, keep him in your prayers. As of right now, I appreciate everybody's letting me know that it's it's working and things like that. Again, this is the first time I've ever used this interface. It's better. I like it. It, it. It's a lot better than the other one, but I I don't like change. I don't like change when it comes to software. But um, keep in your prayers, uh, Boris Johnson. Uh, he is his condition has worsened, and he is and now in ICU. Now it's hard to know what condition Boris Johnson is in. Uh, the BBC has reported Prime Minister Boris Johnson has moved to intensive care in hospital after his coronavirus symptoms worsened. Downing Street has said. The dangerous thing about this condition is somebody can seem okay and and it can, I don't want to freak people out, but it can creep up on people. So I would always urge anybody who has any breathing problems immediately call a, a doctor, get some medical advice, better safe than sorry, don't think oh, I'm okay, I'm okay. Um, the, the symptoms can escalate really quickly and from what I've heard from other people. So while I'm not saying that like, Downing Street's likely to downplay this because they don't want to create panic. So it urge you not to just, oh well he'd be fine. Pray for him. And um because at this time, whatever you may think of Boris Johnson, I'm no major Boris Johnson fan, by the way. I'm not a fan of any of the politicians that we have. Is he better than Jeremy Corbyn? Sure, but um, who isn't? Um, just as long as you don't support the IRA, just as long as you don't support terrorists in the Middle East, you're probably better than Jeremy Corbyn. But I digress. I, I don't... The, the moral standard has badly slipped in our, in our land, in these two islands. And... But whatever we may think of him, he is in that position. Whatever we, we may think of whatever, he is in that position. God has ordained the nations. God has put people in place. 
And as long as they're not commanding us to do something unbiblical, something against the law of God, we should submit to that and we ought to show respect and everything else like that. When Paul was speaking to the Romans in Romans 13, were the Caesars of particularly good moral character? I know people at times might not be the biggest fans of certain things and that as Christians, I, I think that this whole crisis has really tested what our respect level is for authority to the absolute limit in a lot of cases. So we pray that he will recover, but we pray that he will repent. We pray that he will turn to God. We pray that not just that, that the Lord heal him, heal him physically, but even far more than that, heal him spiritually. Now, because this is the second time I've attempted this program, I feel like I'm repeating myself, but we're going to be also later on the program, about 15 minutes into the program, we're going to be looking at N.T. Wright's article in Time Magazine, which is entitled, Christianity Offers No Answers About the Coronavirus. It's not supposed to. And I will detail later on my major problems with such an article. And it's not the first time I've had a problem with N.T. Wright. I think people probably know that at this point. Again, we've been... Uh, during this whole lockdown period, and I'll continue it as long as we are in lockdown, and um, we're going to do a brief devotional. We're going through the book of Psalms, and I would encourage, I've been encouraging people, especially, we're all struggling. I mean, I was going to say, you know, especially those struggling the Psalms are there for an encouragement and edification and to build us up, and we're commanded to sing them. That's even before you get to the whole thing about what is worship and the, the regulated principle of worship and all that kind of stuff. We are commanded, even if you think you can sing man-made hymns, you know, written by men with instruments and all this kind of thing. Apart from that, we are commanded to sing psalms. And I know many people have never sung the psalms before in their lives. I don't know if I've got a psalter there in front of me, but um, a cheap one you can buy and I, I, is the 1650 um, Scottish Metrical Psalter. You can get it from Trinitarian Bible Society. It's probably the cheapest one you can get um, if you want to print copy of it, and you can sing the psalms at home. All you need is a few tunes. And you can go on to, there's websites which have tunes, and you don't need any musical instruments. And your lack of singing ability or whatever else is no excuse either. We should all sing psalms and sing praises to God. And the Psalms, when you look at them, they build us up and they encourage us and they equip us for times like this. Psalm 5, let us hear God's word. This is a psalm. So it says in the introduction, to the chief musician with flutes, a psalm of David. Give ear to my words, O Lord. Consider my meditation. Give heed to the voice of my cry, my King and my God, for to you I will pray. My voice you shall hear in the morning, O Lord. In the morning I will direct it to you, and I will look up 
For you are not a God who takes pleasure in wickedness, nor shall evil dwell with you. The boastful shall not stand in your sight. You hate all workers of iniquity. You shall destroy those who speak falsehood. The Lord abhors the the bloodthirsty and deceitful man. But as for me, I will come into the house in the multitude of of your mercy. In fear of you, I will worship toward your holy temple. Lead me, O Lord, in your righteousness because of my enemies. Make your way straight before my face. For there is no faithfulness in their mouth. Their inward part is destruction. Their throat is an open open tomb. They flatter with their tongue. Pronounce them guilty, O God. Let them fall by their own counsels. Cast them out in the multitude of their transgressions, for they have rebelled against you. But let all those who rejoice, who put their trust in you, let them ever shout for joy, because you defend them. Let those also who love your name be joyful in you. For you, O Lord, will bless the righteous. With favor you will surround him as with with a shield. And may the Lord bless the reading of his word. And just as we meditate upon this, so just lead in the word of prayer, we'd ask for prayer as well for our Prime Minister. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we as we come before the Psalm, Psalm 5, as we go through the Psalter, as we look for encouragement in it, we pray that you would bless all those listening live. And Lord, we pray at this time for our Prime Minister. We pray that you would bless him, and that your face would shine upon him, heal him. And Lord, we pray for repentance and faith in his heart. Remove that heart of stone and give, it, give him a heart of flesh. Oh Lord, that we pray that the nations would turn to you. That these islands will once again return to those covenant oaths that, that they once swore in the solemn league and covenant. Bless us, Lord, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, so we're going to go briefly through this. This is a prayer for guidance. This is um, when we go before the Lord in prayer, we're looking for the Lord to hear us. And we're we're pleading with God. We're begging. There's a sense in which we're begging God. Yes, we have confidence that the Lord, those who are in Christ Jesus, should have confidence and go boldly before the throne of grace, but we shouldn't go nonchalantly, like God is our buddy or something like that. Go reverently and plead before him. And when we plead before the throne of grace, we plead based on the merits and mercies of Christ. So my voice you will hear, verse 3 of Psalm 5, you will hear in the morning. In the morning, I will direct it to you. I will look up. Why? For you have not, you are not a God who takes pleasure in wickedness. You will hear because Because of the merits of Christ, he sees a lawkeeper. Not that we are inherently, we're sinners. We do not deserve the least of God's mercies. But at the same time, he looks upon us 
in relation to the law, this is justification by faith alone, in relation to the law, we are righteous, declared to be righteous. You are not a God who takes pleasure in wickedness. You hate all workers of iniquity. There is a hatred, not just toward the sin, but towards the sinner. That's a complex enough issue, talking about the love and the hate of God. There's a type of love, theologians will call it the love of complacency, that is only for those in Christ. That, that, that pleasing love, that delighting love. That, imagine, if you will, um, a smell that is a pleasant aroma. And when you smell it, it, it just delights your heart. As opposed to a stench. Those in Christ Jesus are a pleasing aroma before God. But he hates those in this sense. He's against them. Now, is there a type of love toward all people? Yes, it's called the love of beneficence and love of benevolence. Very good book. If you're confused in this, because this can often drive people down the route of hyper-Calvinism and other things. We've got to take all of the Scripture, not take one verse and then apply our human logic to it, but the entirety of Scripture. But a really good book that's been written on this, R.C. Sproul's book, God's Love. It might be actually under the title Loved by God in the United States. I think it's published under that title. But um, excellent book detailing going through this. But what does it say? The, per, the psalmist says he's come before God. But as for me, verse 7, I will come into your house in the multitude of your mercy. In, in fear of you, I will worship towards your holy temple. And how, oh, how we need this in our land. Fear of God. There's no fear of God before the eyes of our leaders anymore. For they will happily legalize slaughter of the unborn. Even, even, this is taking place in Northern Ireland, even when this whole pandemic is taking place. They're bringing legislation that will allow the murder of the unborn. So much has been going on, I should have really covered that at some point. But the psalmist writes here, Lead me, O Lord, in your righteousness because of my enemies. Make your way straight before my face. And there's a, here there in verses 9 and 10, there's a pronouncement of judgment upon them. Now, is this kind of like, well, my neighbor's not been really nice to me, so pour out your judgment and wrath upon them as I witness them. This is not what this is about. This is about when you see these imprecatory elements of Psalms or imprecatory Psalms in, tot in totality, they're calling for judgment, of course, yes, that's, that's very, very clear, but in what context? Those who will not turn, those who are seeking to destroy and thwart the advancement of the kingdom, it's not necessarily specific people. Do you know what I'm saying? It's kind of, and that those people may be shown through that, that their eyes may be opened and that they will turn from their folly and live. So if we say 
and talk about God's judgment, saying the coronavirus or whatever else it is, in that context, there's a sense in which if it opens people's eyes and it shows them the fragility of life, the brevity of life, isn't that far better to see and be warned today than spend an eternity in hell? Talks about these people, for there is no faithfulness in their mouth, for their inward part is destruction, their throat is an open tomb. They flatter with their tongue. Pronounce them guilty, O God. Let them fall by their own counsels. And the psalmist here, yes, is calling for justice, is calling for righteous judgment, but at the same time, that does nullify the fact that we want our neighbors, and if you're listening in and you're not a believer, we want you to come to Christ. But if you continue in your rebellion, you will taste the wrath of God. You will have parts of it in this life, but in its fullness in hell for all eternity. But, verses 11 and 12, but let all those who rejoice but let all those rejoice who put their trust in you. No matter what's going on, no matter what enemies we may face, we are to shout for joy. It's not to say that we won't weep if we lose loved ones. It doesn't mean we don't grieve. We should. We're not machines. And we're, there's parts of the Psalms like that. Christ himself grieved. He wept. But at the same time, we're all also to rejoice in God. Now, no, that's going to just seem completely weird to the unbeliever. But there's a joy that will never fade. It will, it will never fade away. We will have times and seasons of difficulty, of course. We have to remind ourselves, brethren, of the promises of God, especially in days like this. We have to remind ourselves of the comforts of God. And I would beg of you, make it your, regardless of who you're sharing quarantine with or whatever else it is, or whatever even your view is on the Psalter, get a Psalter. Sing through the Psalter. And be blessed by the Psalter. Oh, I pray to God. I'm not going to lie that the loads of people around the world will return to the, the church's original position the first couple of hundred years of the church. The Psalms. But at the same time, sing the Psalms. Sing them. Be refreshed in the Psalms. Drink from that fountain of living water. All the Psalms speak of Christ. I was like, how does that speak of Christ? Who is that? Who is that one whom God himself takes pleasure in? In and of your own self, it's not you, it's Christ. Ultimately, it's Christ. He doesn't take pleasure in the evildoer. He hates the evildoer, and he takes pleasure in who? His son. All the Psalms, in different ways, speak of Christ. It's not just Psalm 22. It's not just Psalm 2. Certain Psalms, Psalm 110, which are clearer than others, all of them focus on Christ. 
Okay. So now we're going to get on to N.T. Wright and how are we doing for time? Oh, well, 20 minutes into it. But that is, look, for for this moment in time, I know that there are people, I don't know what, what, what people's situations are. I know some of you perhaps are listening and maybe live alone or maybe don't have that much cover. I hope that most of your instruction is coming from your minister or whatever else it is. But I hope that this in some small, tiny, tiny way will encourage you. That's why I'm doing extra programs until the end of this lockdown, however long it'll go on for. It could go on for, I think it's going to go on for months at this point. I don't see this, sadly, I don't see this end anytime soon. And I hope I'm wrong. I hope I'm wrong. But um, from that point of view, I think there's a couple of people who've been right on the money and have been calling this for a long time. And with the numbers and everything else like that, even, even being optimistic, this is going to be around for a number of few, at least a few more months. And we've got to be ready for some kind of disruption, some kind of life is not, the same and, and, and like none of this is normal none of this is normal world war ii wasn't normal for them back then either that was an extraordinary time but they got through it the united states ireland britain have gotten through worse things than this it's horrible it's probably, I don't know how it would rank in terms of one of the worst pandemics, perhaps. Don't quote me, since the Spanish flu in 1918. Time will tell. Time will tell. I'm not an epidemiologist. I'm not a virologist. I'm not a public health expert. I'm a guy who, I did graduate from biomedical science back in 2008 and I haven't done anything with it since I've worked in a hospital since when was it I think 2008 was the last time I worked in a hospital anyway so N.T. Wright in Time Magazine Christianity offers no answers about the coronavirus it's not supposed to now there are times you might write an article or somebody might write an article and perhaps, perhaps the newspaper will pick the title. I don't know how it works. I'm not well known enough to ever get anything published other than on a blog. But I would just, don't let them do it, especially Time Magazine. Um, I think we need, the title is very, very important. I heard about this a couple of days ago and I was, I'm not a big fan of N.T. Wright at the best of times. The man is wrong on justification. He is wrong on female ordination. He supports that. Now we dealt with this in the program before. I can't remember if I've ever dealt with his view on justification. I plan to do it on some stage. N.T. Wright at the best of times, is confusing. 
in but even then I was surprised by this article Christianity offers no answers about about the coronavirus it's not supposed to pretty bad um I know what some people might think okay we, we shouldn't be interpreting providence that it's this specific sin that the coronavirus is the judgment of God for this specific thing. You know, pick homosexuality or pick, you know, the redefinition of marriage. They're kind of connected, but um, think of the slaughter of the unborn. And I think there are different things there's two extremes, and I talked about this before in another program. I'm not going to go through in massive detail. But in one extreme, we just ignore it. And we say, you know what? This teaches us nothing. That's wrong. That's kind of acting like a deist. And this is the, the pit that anti right falls into. We shouldn't ignore this. If we are, even in our Christian walk, if calamity is befalling us, it doesn't mean that we are, we are backslidden. But it doesn't mean we're not. It may be chastening us. It may be warning us. It may be God's judgment, but it may not be. Because if you look at Leviticus chapter 26, it lists out all the calamities that would come upon Israel. And it was very clear. Famine, destruction. Why? If they forsake, if they've forsaken the covenant. And then also calamity came on Job. And it's very, very clear in Job that Job was a godly man. But there was a purpose to it. We're not told we're not going to go through things. However, in the context in which we are living in, in which the nations have spat in the face of God, have disregarded God, have gone through all this effort in everything to eradicate any mention of God, we are at the point now when we are saying that gender doesn't really exist. That is the ultimate affront to God. Now, there are certain people, well, they, they are in rebellion against God, of course, but there are some people psychologically unwell, and they think all sorts of things. I, and I think that was probably more of the case maybe 20 years ago. It is a of course, you could say it's all a psychological condition. How would you define it and all this kind of stuff? But there are people, we have to admit, some people are more balanced than others, and some people are on edge. I would distinguish today is today is just a pure bandwagon. It has changed. We Those people, at the same time I, from years ago, I'd have sympathy towards them. They need to repent. They may have leftist garbage, nonsense, and lies just fed to them from a young age. Now, it doesn't mean that they're innocent or any, any kind of nonsense like that, but you have a kind of a sympathy towards the person who hasn't been exposed to the gospel, hasn't been exposed to the truth, and has been exposed to nonsense. However, today, 
what was there was some hashtag a couple of days ago trending was a trans visibility day or something like that. Now it's like, I'm not male, I'm not female, or I'm one of a thousand different other genders, pick your, pick your whatever. And uh, what's different? I'm just more colorful. It is pure, utter attention seeking. We gotta be careful. There are some people who are so entrenched in a lie. Again, I have a certain amount of sympathy for the person who has the same way I have sympathy for people drunks and all that. But then there's the person, it's like, just look at me, just look at me. And as soon as the bandwagon has gone away from the, the, tra the trans thing, it, it'll be something else. I say this because the way we deal with the attention seeker and there's a lot of that in the trans movement right now. And the person who is psychologically imbalanced, same solution, by the way, it's still the gospel. It's still healing in Jesus Christ. And they may have various struggles after, if they do, praise the Lord, come to Christ. But that's by the way. Now, in the context of which we are living in, in the context of the world we're living in, can we expect, should we expect the blessings of God? When we are completely rebellious, what should we expect? God's wrath. God's wrath upon the nations. What are we seeing around us? Calamity. Destruction. So it's in that context that we say that the coronavirus is the judgment of God. Now, it may also be, in another sense, chasing of the church or whatever else it is. I'm sure it, it, we've got to be very, very careful. I wouldn't like to point out one single thing, but it's in that context we cannot say the, that we, the, any nation on earth that I know of, is bowing the knee to Christ. So in this article written by N.T. Wright, for many Christians, the coronavirus-induced limitations on life have arrived at the same time as Lent. If anybody is observing Lent, that is just a man-made tradition. Don't. But I, I don't understand that. I grew up in a Roman Catholic home, by the way. Um, anyway, a traditional season of doing without. But the sharp new regulations, no theater, school sh shutting, virtually house arrest for, the, for us over 70s, make a mockery of our little Lenten dis disciplines. Doing without whiskey or chocolate is child's play compared to not setting friends, not seeing, sorry, friends or grandchildren or going to the pub the library or church. Sorry, that word is behind a staple. There is a reason we normally try to meet in the flesh. There is a reason solitary confinement is such a severe punishment. And this Lent has no fixed Easter to look forward to. We can't tick off the days. There is a stillness, not of rest, but of poised, anxious 
sorrow. This is N.T. Wright's article in Time, Time Magazine. And then he says, no doubt the usual silly suspects will tell us why God is doing this to us. Um, we are not to ignore providence. We should be very careful. I don't think we should be identify any specific sin, by the way, or it's because of, you know, Jim down the road, I'm being facetious now, Jim down the road did X, Y, and Z in a kind of a self-righteous way. We've all got to do, the church has to do some self-seeking. There's a maybe a sense in which the, the Western church being chastened. I don't say this in, aha, maybe it's for all of us. I don't know, and I don't think it's the same forever. But what we do know is we ought to draw nearer to Christ. But to say the same, no doubt the same silly suspect. We're not supposed to ignore providence either. Um, if you look again at, at Leviticus 26, okay, this is in context of the covenant, God's covenant people, and saying what would come upon them if they were faithful, if they followed in, if they, if they followed after Christ, if they were obedient. But what would happen if they were disobedient? Says verse 23 of Leviticus 26, And if by these things you were not reformed by me, but walk contrary to me, then I will walk contrary to you, and I will punish you seven times for your sins, and I will bring the sword against you, and I will execute vengeance of the covenant. There are treacherous things forewarned here. Verse 16 says, I will even appoint terror over you, wasting disease, fever, which shall consume the eyes and cause sorrow of heart. What would we say today? Oh, well, that's just a that's just a that's just a condition. Nothing to do with God. God is sovereign over everything. And in his providence, he can be mercifully opening our eyes to our idols. Our idols. What idols do we have in the West? Our personal freedoms. I'm not against, of course, personal freedoms are a great thing. We can go and worship God. And we can, there are good freedoms. But then there's the freedom of where, well, the most important thing is my freedoms. Above anything else. This is not a debate even about the economy or... You know, what do we do? I'm not even talking about that. But when you get to the point where your personal freedoms are the thing and you are autonomous and nobody tells you what to do, that's a dangerous place to be in. And I, and I fear a lot of people have gone into that extreme. Money in the West can be our idol. All sorts of things can be exposed here. What are we, you know, if we're stuck at home and there's something we don't have and our Christian walk falls by the wayside because our idol, we're not in contact with our idol. 
and I don't know you listening to this right now. Just because you got a successful business does not mean you idolize money or work, but you may do. And you may be stuck at home right now, absolutely miserable. Because your idol has been taken away. It's something we should all search our hearts for. So he says, No doubt the usual silly suspects will tell us why God is doing this. A punishment, a warning, a sign. These are knee-jerk, knee would-be Christian reactions in a culture which generations back embraced rationalism. He claims all this is apparently rationalism. Everybody must have an explanation. Uh, that's not what rationalism is. Rationalism places the human mind above the revelation of God and it must square with the human mind and what we think is rational. Rationalism may reject the Trinity and say, Socinianism or what later became Unitarianism. Oh, you know, I, I can't rationalize the Trinity. So that, bye-bye the Trinity. So he's saying everything demands an explanation. Not everything, but we're, we're told to not ignore these things. Again, we got to be careful. We're not saying every single thing. We live in a fallen world. There is death and destruction all around. But there's something significant. This pandemic has gone all over the world. Last I checked, how many countries there are in the world? There's like 190 countries, and this was in, this coronavirus was in like 170. Maybe the other 20 don't even know it. I don't know. But it is interesting how there's not one place on planet Earth you can run to that is safe from this. There's nowhere you can run. Right goes on to right. But supposing it doesn't, supposing real human wisdom doesn't mean being able to string together some dodgy speculations to say, so that's right then. What if after all, there are moments such as T.S. Eliot's recognition in the early 1940s when the only advice is to wait upon hope without hope because we'd be hoping for the wrong thing. It's uh, I'm sorry, I, d I don't know why N.T. Wright is popular. Um, it's... It's a lot of intellectual fluff in his material, and it has been for years, at the best of times. Rationalists, including Christian rationalists, want explanations. No. Again, that's not rationalism, but anyway. Romantics, including Christian romantics, want to give an, a, a, a sigh of relief. But, but perhaps we need more than ever to recover the biblical tradition of lament. Lament is what happens when people ask why and don't get an answer. It's where we get to when we move beyond our self-centered worry about our sins and failings and look more broadly at the suffering of the world. Well, if we see our sin and failings and we want to repent, how is that self-centered? 
that doesn't make a ton of sense. It's bad enough, he said, facing a pandemic in in New York City or London. What about a crowded refugee camp on a Greek island? What about Gaza or South Sudan? I'm not sure where he's going with this and what, what exactly the context is. Again, I'm not saying that, or anybody else for that matter, that I'm going to look at Joseph Piper's article now in a second, which is an excellent article in contrast to this, um, that am I saying because, you know, maybe a Christian minister dies from this, that that's the judgment of God? No, 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 no. That'd be silly. No. Um, death comes to us all. There's going to be pestilences and things like that. We need to be very, very careful with how we're, we interpret these things, but we shouldn't interpret providence as if we're an unbeliever, as if these things are just random. And then God doesn't speak about these things in his holy word. He does speak about these things in his holy word. But what about the refugee camp? I mean, we'll take the refugee camp. Just because somebody's poor or in Gaza, I mean, Gaza is filled with, I'm trying to think off the top of my head, it's just, that's run by Hamas, isn't it? You know, they were voted in. I mean, I don't get the reference. Is he anti-Israel? I don't know. Um, how many of these people are Christians and how many of these nations turn to Christ? What do we deserve? What do any of us deserve? Again, he doesn't really make his point. Anyway, at this point, the Psalms, the, the Bible's own hymn book, this part I agree with him, come back into their own just when some churches seem to have given up, given them up. Okay. Um, be gracious to me, Lord, praise the sixth Psalm. I am languishing, O Lord. Heal me, for my bones are shaking with terror. Why do you stand far off, O Lord? Asked the tenth Psalm. Plaintively, why do you hide yourself in time of trouble? And so goes on. Um, yeah, I'm, I don't see the one or the other. There is times when we're calling upon the Lord to seek wisdom. And to seek wisdom is to seek truth and to be instructed from and be shepherded by the shepherd of our souls. Yes, these poems often come out into the light of the end. Right, continues. With a fresh sense of God's presence and hope, not to explain the trouble, but to provide reassurance within it. Um, Leviticus 26. The book of Job explains the trouble. That's wisdom literature as well. I, I There are times, I mean, we got to be careful. We can't get into the secret will of God. The There's the decretive will of God and the prescriptive will of God. The decretive will, God foreordains whatsoever comes to pass. Everything that comes to pass. But not everything that comes to pass is pleasing in his sight. His prescriptive will his revealed will is in the Ten Commandments. So we've got to be careful, unless we're told or given similar examples and we're using Scripture, we, we've got to be careful 
and or um, just say we don't know. The point of the event, I'm skipping on here a little bit. Um, so he says, God laments. He seems to have a bit of a, sounds like a bit of a challenge on the doctrine of impassibility of God. When the Westminster Confession says, God is without passions. Just dig that out here, make sure I'm quoting that properly. Um, Chapter 2 of the Westminster Confession of Faith, there is one only living and true God who is infinite in being perfect, in perfection, a most pure spirit, indivisible, without body parts or passions. That term, without passions. Um, impassibility, we're not in like nature, we don't have the passion, God does not have the passions of men. He does not suffer. He does not suffer in that sense. He does not suffer pain and loss. But he says here, God also laments. And then he says, God was grieved to his heart, Genesis declares, over the violent wickedness of human creatures. It's a messy, look, it's a messy article. It, it, it completely goes awry. Now, again, is it is this the worst thing that anti Wright has ever done? No. Um there, there's his new perspective on Paul, which basically adds works to a kind of a second justification. Um, if you want to read a book on that, I could recommend Robert. Grab it there, actually. Robert J. Cara, one of many books you can get on this. Robert J. Cara, cracking the foundation of the new perspective on, on Paul. Covenantal Gnomism versus Reformed Covenantal Theology. That's a fairly recent enough book and came out a couple of years ago. In contrast to that, there is the excellent article written by Joseph A. Piper Jr., who is, is he, I think he's the, he's the president of Greenville Theological Seminary. But this is actually on their website. And the, the article is called, this has been out a while now, this has been out some, some time March, The Lion Roars, Thoughts on COVID-19. I'm not going to read all of this, but just in contrast, what is a good way to approach Providence? Now he says first, again, this is, this is a great article. Joseph Piper says it way better than I ever could. Um, first, we assert that, with scripture that all that is occurring with the virus around the world and in our country is part of God's sovereign good purpose. He has foreordained all that comes to pass. Again, I'm not going to read all of this. So that's his first point. This is part of God's sovereign decretive will. I'll come back to the, if we have some time at the end, I'll come back to that whole issue that right touched upon, but I just want to kind of deal with this from a positive aspect. How can we look at God's providence? Second, Piper writes, because the pandemic is according to God's holy will, we must ask ourselves, what is he doing? Amos, 
demonstrates the relation of cause and effect by a series of rhetorical questions about cause and effect. Do two men walk together unless they have they have made an appointment? Does a lion roar in the forest when he has no prey? Does a young lion growl from his den unless he has captured something? Does a bird fall into a trap on the ground when there is no bait in it? Does a trap spring up from the earth when it captures nothing at all? If a trumpet is blown in a city, will not the people tremble? God is roaring, Joseph Piper writes. And he has revealed things in his word which we should think, which we, we should think and speak. First, God is acting through his natural calamity, which is is repercussions to proclaim his holy judgment. Thus we slow to anger, but throughout history, Piper writes, he acts periodically in, in temporal judgments. It is safe to say that nothing of such worldwide import has occurred since World War II. And on the health scale, it's not since the Spanish flu in 1918. He writes, God is judging the nations for their idolatry and corruption. But let's come closer to home. Is not God judging the United States? Approximately 140,000 abortions have been performed in this calendar year alone since January 1st, 2020. We have perverted the holy relationship of marriage with sexual promiscuity, adultery, pornography, and sodomy. Amongst our many idols are sports and materialism, and the, the Sabbath has just been tossed aside completely. In the United States, it's just I'm not just trying to pick the United States because it's not just a, an issue for the United States, but in the United States, how many churches will cancel their services for the Super Bowl. Oh, but that's part of the ceremonial law. It is the fourth commandment, written with the finger of God. Oh, well, that's just Seventh-day Adventism. No. No. The Reformers, right throughout... is still more or less kept in places like Scotland and Northern Ireland. That is just one area. One area. Why? I, I, come on. Why, why do we get? Because of the sports. And sports are idols here in the UK as well. Football, everything else creeps in. And sooner or later, your, your resolve, your favorite team is playing on the Lord's Day. Materialism. Piper writes, Is the lion roaring? Most assuredly, he is. I would encourage you to read this yourself. Again, this is in Greenville Theological Seminary's website. The Lion Roars Thoughts on COVID-19. You can find this on YouTube pretty quickly. Anyway, um, second, God is chastening and training his people. Again, this doesn't mean the same for everybody. It doesn't mean that God's wrath is falling upon everybody in the same way. Bad things can happen to the church, which bless, sanctify, 
chasing, train. Again, if bad things are happening in your life, I want to put it like that, it does not necessarily mean that you're backslidden or that you're living in whatever. It may do. And the, the thing is, we're more likely to just say it means nothing. That's not true. If there's been a series of horrible things that have gone wrong, perhaps there's an area in your life you need to repent in. And I say perhaps. Or perhaps. And if there isn't, that is just a thorn in your side that, you, that the Lord has placed there to keep you humble. We, all of us, have to examine our lives before God to see, are there areas in which we need to repent? Are there areas, of course, there's areas we all need to repent in and all need to change in. But there can be times of severe chastening for certain Christians. And if it's chastening, it doesn't mean that the person's lost. If it's actually chastening, it means the person's saved. And God is correcting them to bring them back on the narrow way. Piper writes, Christians are not exempt from the sufferings of this virus. P Peter teaches that judgment begins with the household of God. This is, look, the more I read this article, the more I like it. I really, really encourage you to read it. And you know what? I think it's something I would encourage us all to really, really meditate upon. Um, two extremes. One is ignoring providence. And the other is, oh, you see, um, I tripped on that step. <laughs> and therefore, that means no. But in a context where the nations have no interest in God, what should they expect? The wrath of God. The wrath of God. And there's a certain sense of which, yeah, it, we live in a fallen world. There will be diseases and all that. But there's something major happening here and now today. While we have some time, N.T. Wright in his article was kind of... He made a couple of comments about... Um, this is at the end of the article. God was grieved in his heart. Genesis declares... Over the violent wickedness of his human creatures, he was devastated with his own bride. Um, and then he brings up how Jesus, the story of Jesus is meaningless unless, uh, he says, you know, he wept at the tomb of his friend. Um, we've got to be careful with that because these are, I'm going to grab Sproul. Is particularly good on this issue, the impassibility of God. This is on page, if you happen to have this book, God's Love, page 153, at least in the uh, David Cook publisher's edition of it. There's Again, there's different editions of this book I've seen around the place. He said, um, when we speak of God's will of disposition, we are quite confronted with questions raised by the classic doctrine of the impassibility of God. Sometimes the impassibility of God is expressed philosophically in such a way to describe God as being utterly incapable of feeling. In a desire to protect the immutability of God, to free him from all passions that would be dependent on the actions of the creature and to ensure the constant and abiding state of pure and total felicity in God. He is regarded as having no feelings. This robs God of his personal character and reduces him to impersonal force 
or blob of cosmic energy. We've got to be careful of that. God loves and also God hates. Okay, so the, it's not like no feelings whatsoever, but impassibility, I'm going to qu- continue to read um, Sproul in a second now, but impassibility is talking about he doesn't suffer. He doesn't suffer pain. Now you say, well, the, there's language in the Bible that seems to indicate that. He says, this kind of impassibility, this is Sproul, makes a mockery of biblical revelation of the character of God. It's one thing to ensure God is not subject to mood swings by which his beatific state is disturbed or destroyed, or to passions which cause perturbations of his character. However, we must not let a speculative form of impassibility strip God of his personal attributes, especially his attribute of love. We do not need to embrace either patropashism, patropashian heresy, whereby the Father suffers in the death of Christ, or the theopachist heresy whereby the divine nature of Christ suffers and dies on the cross. Okay? Christ in his, in his divinity did not suffer. He suffered in his humanity. So when he, he suffered, he wept. He was true God and true man. We'll continue to read um, Sproul here because he explains it really well. If there's no feeling in God, then there can be no affection in him. If he had no capacity for affection, he has no capacity for love. But the Bible is filled with references to his feelings, to the feelings of God. Though they may represent anthropomorphic ideas employ and employ the language of analogy, they are certainly not meaningless. And then he quotes from Psalm 103, verses 8 to 13. God doesn't suffer. But at the same time, I'd be urging anybody who's a, an anti-right fan not to go to extremes. There are analogies and anthropomorphisms and language such as that. In the Old Testament, God is immutable. It, it, it's very much tied in with his immutability. He doesn't change. He doesn't change his opinion towards sin. Well, how does you know say well when when I get saved what happens well he no longer you're no longer in regards to the law a sinner you're righteous so God hasn't changed his mind in that sense he never changes what has changed you're standing before God God is immutable never changes but that does not mean he's in passion it doesn't mean he doesn't show love but he doesn't suffer in his divinity. And we've got to, that is something to flesh out, something the early church suffered with in how to exactly explain these two natures. One person, Christ, but two natures. True God and true man. I don't even like the term fully God, fully man anymore, because no, no, he is God, and he is man, and he always was man upon the earth. Never ceased to be God. But God doesn't suffer. But Christ suffered as a man. 
So I can't square these two together. Whether we can square it together or not, it is the truth. Theologians will write about the the two minds of Christ. And again, we've got to be very, very careful how we speak about this. Christ died on the cross. But does, did his divinity ever die? No, of course not. That His divinity could never change. He died as a man. And you've got to think about these things carefully, systematically, and not glibly, okay? And I would encourage you to study that. It's not an easy doctrine to approach. It's somewhere but people kind of make errors in. Um, I don't know if anybody's got any questions in that point. Um, hopefully the glitches from the, today's live program will not be revisited again. I wasn't planning on talking about coronavirus today. I'll be, I'll be honest, there was another topic I was going to deal with. And I saw the comments of N.T. Wright and, uh, well, let's just say I wasn't exactly impressed. Hopefully that's been a blessing to you. If you've got any suggestions for programs, megiddofilms at gmail.com. That's M-E-G-I-D-D-O films at gmail.com. And hopefully we'll be back again Wednesday, 9.30. I mean, we were late today, but um, 9.30 Wednesday night, Lord willing. And again, also on Friday. And don't forget in your prayers, I don't know if there's any, any update for Boris Johnson. Keep him in your prayers. Pray for the nation. Pray for your community. We can love our neighbor and be safe and following the government guidelines and at the same time use whatever opportunity you have to share the gospel because that is the most important thing. St. Paul Flynn, may God bless you all.